Letters 19 through 21 of The Sylph. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Céline Major. The Sylph by Georgiana Cavendish, Duchess of Devonshire. Letter 19 To Miss Grenville. Ah, my dear Louisa, you are single and know not the trifling influence a woman has over her husband in this part of the world had i the eloquence of demosthenes or cicero it would fail sir william is wedded i was going to say to the pleasures of this bewitching place i corrected myself in the instant for was he wedded most probably he would be as tired of it as he is of his wife if i was to be resolute in my determination to leave london i must go by myself and notwithstanding such a circumstance might accord with his wishes i do not choose to begin the separation all the determination i can make is to strive to act so as to deserve a better fate than has fallen my lot and beset as i am on all sides i shall have some little merit in so doing but you my love ought not to blame me so severely as you do indeed louisa if you knew the slights i hourly receive from my husband and the conviction which i have of his infidelity you would not criticise my expression so harshly i could add many more things which would justify me in the eye of the world were i less cautious than i am but his failings would not extenuate any on my side would you believe that any man who wished to preserve the virtue of his wife would introduce her to the acquaintance and protection of a woman with whom he had had an intrigue what an opinion one must have in future of such a man i am indebted for this piece of intelligence to lord biddulph i am grateful for the information though i despise the motive which induced him yes louisa lady anne parker is even more infamous than lady besford nay lord biddulph offered to convince me they still had their private assignations my pride i own it was more wounded than my love from this discovery as it served to confirm me in my idea that sir william never had a proper regard for me but that he married me merely because he could obtain me on no other terms yet although i was sensibly pained with this news i endeavoured to conceal my emotions from the disagreeable prying eyes of my informer i affected to disbelieve his assertions and ridiculed his ill policy in striving to found his merit on such base and detestable grounds he had too much effronterie to be chagrined with my raillery i therefore assumed a more serious air and plainly told him no man would dare to endeavour to convince a woman of the infidelity of her husband but from the basest and most injurious motives and as such was entitled to my utmost contempt that from my soul i despised both the information and informer and should give him proofs of it if ever he should again have the confidence to repeat his private histories to the destruction of the peace and harmony of families to extenuate his fault he poured forth a most elaborate speech abounding with flattery and was proceeding to convince me of his adoration but i broke off the discourse by assuring him i saw through this scheme from the first but the man who sought to steal my heart from my husband must pursue a very different course from that he had followed as it was very unlikely i should withdraw my affections from one unworthy subject to place them on another infinitely worse he attempted a justification which i would not allow him opportunity of going on with as i left the room abruptly however his lordship opened my eyes respecting the conduct of lady anne i have mentioned in a former letter that she used to give hints about my husband 
i am convinced it was her jealousy which prompted her to give me from time to time little anecdotes of sir william's amours but ought i to pardon him for introducing me to such a woman oh louisa am i to blame if i no longer respect such a man yesterday i had a most convincing proof that there are a sort of people who have all the influence over the heart of a man which a virtuous wife ought to have but seldom has by some accident a hook of sir william's waistcoat caught hold of the trimming of my sleeve he had just received a message and being in a hurry to disengage himself lifted up the flap of the waistcoat eagerly and snatched it away by which means two or three papers dropped out of the pocket he seemed not to know it but flew out of the room leaving them on the ground i picked them up but i take heaven to witness without the least intention or thought of seeing the contents when one being open and seeing my name written in a female hand and the signature of lucy gardiner my curiosity was excited to the greatest degree yet i had a severe conflict first with myself but femaleism prevailed and i examined the contents which were as follows for i wrote them down is it thus sir william you repay my tenderness in your favour go thou basest of all wretches am i to be made continually a sacrifice to every new face that strikes thy inconstant heart if i was contented to share you with a wife and calmly acquiesced do not imagine i shall rest in peace till you have given up lady anne how have you sworn you would see her no more how have you falsified your oath you spent several hours tete-a-tete -tete with her yesterday deny it not i could tear myself to pieces when i reflect that i left biddulph who adored me whose whole soul was devoted to me to be slighted thus by you oh that lady stanley knew of your baseness yet she is only your wife her virtue may console her for the infidelity of her husband but i have sacrificed everything and how am i repaid either be mine alone or never again approach lucy gardiner the other papers were of little consequence i deliberated some time what i should do with this precious morceau at last i resolved to burn it and give the remainder with as much composure as possible to sir william's valet to restore to his master i fancied he would hardly challenge me about the billet as he is the most careless man in the universe you will perceive there is another case for lord biddulph seeking to depreciate my husband he has private revenge to gratify for the loss of his mistress oh what wretches are these men is the whole world composed of such no even in this valley of vice i see some exceptions some who do honour to the species to which they belong but i must not whisper to myself their perfections and it is less dangerous for me to dwell upon the vices of the one than the virtues of the other adieu julia stanley letter twenty to miss grenville to keep my mind constantly employed upon different objects and prevent my thoughts attaching themselves to improper ones i have lately attended the card-tables from being an indifferent spectator of the various fashionable games i became an actor in them and at length play proved very agreeable as i was an utter novice at the games of skill those of chance presented themselves as the best at first i risked only trifles but by little and little my party encroached upon the rules i had laid down and i could no longer avoid playing their stake but i have done with play for ever it is no longer the innocent amusement i thought it and i must find out some other method of spending my time 
since this might in the end be destructive the other night at a party we made up a set at bragg which was my favourite game after various vicissitudes i lost every shilling i had in my pocket and being a broken merchant sat silently by the table everybody was profuse in the offers of accommodating me with cash but i refused to accept their contribution lord biddolph whom you know to be justly my aversion was very earnest but i was equally peremptory however some time after i could not resist the entreaty of baron tonhausen who in the genteelest manner entreated me to make use of his purse for the evening with great difficulty he prevailed on me to borrow ten guineas and was once more set up fortune now took a favourable turn and when the party broke up i had repaid the baron replaced my original stock and brought off ninety-five guineas flushed with success and more attached than ever to the game i invited the set to meet the day after the next at my house i even counted the hours till the time arrived rest departed from my eyelids and i felt all the eagerness of expectation about twelve o'clock of the day my company were to meet i received a packet which i instantly knew to be from my ever watchful sylph i will give you the transcript to lady stanley i should be unworthy the character i have assumed if my pen was to lie dormant while i am sensible of the unhappy predilection which your ladyship has discovered for gaming play under proper restrictions which however in this licentious town can never take place may not be altogether prejudicial to the morals of those who engage in it for trifling sums your ladyship finds it not practicable always to follow your own inclinations even in that particular the triumphant joy which sparkled in your eyes when success crowned your endeavours plainly indicated you took no common satisfaction in the game you being a party so deeply interested could not discover the same appearances of joy and triumph in the countenances of some of those you played with nor had you made the observation could you have guessed the cause it has been said by those who will say anything to carry on an argument which cannot be supported by reason that cards prevent company falling upon topics of scandal it is a scandal to human nature that it should want such a resource from so hateful and detested a vice but be it so it can only be so while the sum played for is of too trifling a concern to excite the anxiety which avaricious minds experience and every one is more or less avaricious who gives up his time to cards if your ladyship could search into the causes of the unhappiness which prevails in too many families in this metropolis you would find the source to be gaming either on the one side or the other whatever appears licentious or vicious in men in your sex becomes so in a tenfold degree the passionate exclamation the half-uttered imprecation and the gloomy pallidness of the losing gamester ill accords with the female delicacy but the evil rests not here when a woman has been drawn in to lose large sums than her allowance can defray even if she can submit to let her tradespeople suffer from her extravagant folly it most commonly happens that they part with their honour to discharge the account at least they are always suspected would not the consideration of being obnoxious to such suspicion be sufficient to deter any woman of virtue from running the hazard you made a firm resolution of not borrowing from the purses of any of the gentlemen who wished to serve you you for some time kept that resolution but remember it lasted no longer than when one particular person made the offer was it your wish to oblige him or did the desire of gaming operate in that instant more powerful than in any other 
whatever was your motive the party immediately began to form hopes of you hopes which being founded in your weakness you may be certain were not to your advantage to make a more forcible impression on your mind your ladyship must allow me to lay before you a piece of private history in which a noble family of this town was deeply involved the circumstances are indubitable facts their names i shall conceal under fictitious ones a few years since lord and lady d were the happiest of pairs in each other love had been the sole motive of their union and love presided over every hour of their lives their pleasures were mutual and neither knew an enjoyment in which the other did not partake by an unhappy mischance lady d had an attachment to cards which yet however she only looked on as the amusement of an idle hour her person was beautiful and as such made her an object of desire in the eyes of lord l her virtue and affection for her husband would have been sufficient to have damped the hopes of a man less acquainted with the weakness of human nature than lord l had he paid her a more than ordinary attention he would have awakened her suspicions and put her on her guard he therefore pursued another method he availed himself of her love of play and would now and then seemingly by accident engage her in a party of piquet which was her favourite game he contrived to lose trifling sums to increase her inclination for play too fatally he succeeded her predilection gathered strength every day and having been very unsuccessful for some hours at piquet lord l proposed a change of the game a proposal which lady d could not object to as having won so much of his money he produced a pair of dice luck still ran against him a generous motive induced lady d to offer him his revenge the next evening at her own house in the morning preceding the destined evening her lord signified his dislike of gaming with dice and instanced some families to whom it had proved destructive elate however with good fortune and looking on herself engaged in honour to give lord l a chance of recovering his losses she listened not to the hints of her husband nor did they recur to her thoughts till too late to be of any service to her the time so ardently expected by lord l now arrived the devoted time which was to put the long-destined victim into the power of her insidious betrayer fortune which had hitherto favoured lady d now deserted her in a short time her adversary reimbursed himself and won considerably besides adversity only rendered her more desperate she hazarded still larger stakes every throw however was against her and no otherwise could it be since his dice were loaded and which he had the dexterity to change unobserved by her he lent her money only to win it back from her in short in a few hours she found herself stripped of all the cash she had in possession and two thousand five hundred pounds in debt the disapprobation which her husband had expressed towards dice-playing and her total inability to discharge this vast demand without his knowledge contributed to make her distress very great she freely informed lord l she must be his debtor for some time as she could not think of acquainting lord d with her imprudence he offered to accept of part of her jewels till it should be convenient to her to pay the whole or if she liked it better to play it off to the first she said she could not consent as her husband would miss them and to the last she would by no means agree since she suffered too much already in her own mind from the imprudent part she had acted by risking so much more than she ought to have done he then approaching her took her hand in his and assuming the utmost tenderness in his air proceeded to inform her it was in her power amply to repay the debt without the knowledge of her husband 
and confer the highest obligations upon himself she earnestly begged an explanation since there was nothing she would not submit to rather than incur the censure of so excellent a husband without further preface lord l threw himself on his knees before her and said if her heart could not suggest the restitution which the most ardent of lovers might expect and hope for he must take the liberty of informing her that bestowing on him the delightful privilege of an husband was the only means of securing her from the resentment of one at first she seemed thunderstruck and unable to articulate a sentence when she recovered the use of speech she asked him what he had seen in her conduct to induce him to believe that she would not submit to any ill consequences which might arise from the just resentment of her husband rather than not shew her detestation of such an infamous proposal leave me added she leave me in perfect astonishment at such insolence of behaviour he immediately rose with a very different aspect and holding a paper in his hand to which she had signed her name in acknowledgment of the debt then madam said he with the utmost sang-froid i shall to-morrow morning take the liberty of waiting on lord d with this stay my lord is it possible you can be so cruel and hard a creditor i consent to make over to you my annual allowance till the whole is discharged no madam cried he shaking his head i cannot consent to any such subterfuges when you have it in your power to pay this moment would to heaven i had answered she oh that you have most abundantly said he consider the hours we have been tete-a-tete -tete together few people will believe we have spent all the time at play your reputation then will suffer and believe me while i attest heaven to witness either you must discharge the debt by blessing me with the possession of your charms or lord d shall be made acquainted with every circumstance reflect continued he two thousand five hundred pounds is no small sum either for your husband to pay or me to receive come madam it grows late in a little time you will not have it in your power to avail yourself of the alternative your husband will soon return and then you may wish in vain that you had yielded to my love rather than have subjected yourself to my resentment she condescended to beg of him on her knees for a longer time for consideration but he was inexorable and at last she fatally consented to her own undoing the next moment the horror of her situation and the sacrifice she had made rushed on her tortured imagination give me the fatal paper cried she wringing her hands in the utmost agony give me that paper for which i have parted with my peace for ever and leave me oh never let me in future behold you what do i say ah rather let my eyes close in everlasting darkness they are now unworthy to behold the face of heaven and do you really imagine madam all beautiful as you are the lifeless half-distracted body you gave to my arms a recompense for five-and-twenty hundred pounds have you agreed to your bargain is it with tears sighs and reluctant struggles you meet your husband's caresses be mine as you are his and the bond is void otherwise i am not such a spendthrift as to throw away thousands for a little less than a rape o oh, thou most hateful and perfidious of all monsters too dearly have i earned my release do not then do not withhold my right hush madam hush cried he with the most provoking coolness your raving will but expose you to the ridicule of your domestics you are at present under too great an agitation of spirits to attend to the calm dictates of reason 
i will wait till your ladyship is in a more even temper when i receive your commands i will attend them and hope the time will soon arrive when you will be better disposed to listen to a tender lover who adores you rather than to seek to irritate a man who has you in his power saying which he broke from her leaving her in a state of mind of which you madam i sincerely hope will never be able to form the slightest idea with what a weight of woe she stole up into her bedchamber unable to bear the eye of her domestic how fallen in her own esteem and still bending under the penalty of her bond as neither prayers nor tears and nothing else was she able to offer could obtain the release from the inexorable and cruel lord l how was her anguish increased when she heard the sound of her lord's footstep how did she pray for instant death to prevent any conversation she feigned sleep sleep which now was banished from her eyelids guilt had driven the idea of rest from her bosom the morning brought no comfort on its wings to her the light was painful she still continued in bed she framed the resolution of writing to the destroyer of her repose she rose for that purpose her letter was couched in terms that would have pierced the bosom of the most obdurate savage all the favour she entreated was to spare the best of husbands and the most amiable and beloved of men the anguish of knowing how horrid a return she had made in one fatal moment for the years of felicity she had tasted with him again offered her alimony or even her jewels to obtain the return of her bond she did not wish for life death was now her only hope but she could not support the idea of her husband's being acquainted with her infamy what advantage could he lord l propose to himself from the possession of her person since tears sighs and the same reluctance would still accompany every repetition of her crime as her heart guilty as it now was and unworthy as she had rendered herself of his love was and ever must be her husband's only in short she urged everything likely to soften him in her favour but this fatal and circumstantial disclosure of her guilt and misfortunes was destined to be conveyed by another messenger than she designed lord d having that evening expected some one to call on him on his return inquired if any one had been there he was answered only lord l did he stay yes till after eleven without thinking of any particularity in this he went up to bed he discovered his wife was not asleep to pretend to be so alarmed him he heard her frequently sigh and when she thought him sunk in that peaceful slumber she had forfeited her distress increased his anxiety however at length gave way to fatigue but with the morning his doubts and fears returned yet how far from guessing the true cause he saw a letter delivered to a servant with some caution whom he followed and insisted on knowing for whom it was intended the servant ignorant of the contents and not at all suspicious he was doing an improper thing gave it to his lordship revenge lent him wings and he flew to the base destroyer of his conjugal happiness you may suppose what followed in an hour lord d was brought home a lifeless corpse distraction seized the unhappy wife and the infamous cause of this dreadful calamity fled his country he was too hardened however in guilt to feel much remorse from this catastrophe and made no scruple of relating the circumstances of it to you madam i surely need make no comment nor do i need say any more to deter you from so pernicious a practice as gaming suspect a lord ale in every one who would induce you to play 
and remember they are the worst seducers and the most destructive enemies who seek to gain your heart by ruining your principles adieu madam your ever watchful angel will still hover over you and may that god who formed both you and me enable me to give you good counsel and dispose your heart to follow it your faithful sylph lady stanley in continuation alas my louisa what would become of your julia without this respectable monitor would to heaven i knew who he was or how i might consult him upon some particular circumstances i examined the features of my guests in hopes to discover my secret friend but my senses are perplexed and bewildered in the fruitless search it is certainly a weakness but absolutely my anxiety to obtain this knowledge has an effect on my health and spirits my thoughts and whole attention rest solely on this subject i call it a weakness because i ought to remain satisfied with the advantages which accrue to me from his correspondence without being inquisitively curious who it may be yet i wish to ask some questions i am uneasy and perhaps in some instances myself would solve my doubts not that i think him endued with a preternatural knowledge yet i hardly know what to think neither however i bless and praise the goodness of god that has raised me up a friend in a place where i may turn my eyes around and see myself deprived of every other even my protector he who has sworn before god and man but you louisa will reprehend my indiscreet expressions in my own bosom then shall the sad repository be adieu julia stanley letter twenty one to miss grenville as you have entertained an idea that sir william could not be proof against any occasional exertion of my eloquence i will give you a sketch of a matrimonial tete-a-tete -tete, though it may tend to subvert your opinion of both parties yesterday morning i was sitting in my dressing-room when sir william who had not been home all night entered it he looked as if he had not been in bed his hair disordered and upon the whole as forlorn a figure as you ever beheld i was going to say but you can form very little idea of these rakes of fashion after a night spent as they usually spend it to my inquiry after his health he made a very slight or rather peevish answer and flung himself into a chair with both hands in his waistcoat pockets and his eyes fixed on the fire before which he had placed himself as he seemed in an ill humour and i was unconscious of having given him cause i was regardless of the consequences and pursued my employment which was looking over and settling some accounts relative to my own expenses he continued his posture in the strictest silence for near a quarter of an hour a silence i did not feel within myself the least inclination to break through at last he burst forth into this pretty soliloquy damn it sure there never was a more unfortunate dog than i am everything goes against me and then to be so situated too unpromising as the opening sounded i thought it would be better to bear a part in the conversation if it is not impertinent sir william said i may i beg to know what occasions the distress you seem to express or at least inform me if it is in my power to be of service to you no no you can be of no use to me though continued he you are in part the cause i the cause for god's sake how cried i all astonishment why if your father had not taken advantage of my cursed infatuation for you i should not have been distressed in pecuniary matters by making so large a settlement a cursed infatuation do you call it 
sure that is a harsh expression oh how wretched would my poor father feel could he imagine the affection which he fancied his unhappy daughter had inspired you with would be styled by yourself and to her face a cursed infatuation thank you louisa i was not pained to the soul too sure i was i could not prevent tears from gushing forth sir william saw the effect his cruel speech had on me he started from his seat and took my hand in his a little resentment and a thousand other reasons urged me to withdraw it from his touch give me your hand julia cried he drawing his chair close to mine and looking at my averted face give me your hand my dear and pardon the rashness of my expressions i did not mean to use such words i recall them my love it was ungenerous and false in me to arraign your father's conduct i would have doubled and trebled the settlement to have gained you i would by heavens my julia do not run from me in disgust come come you shall forgive me a thoughtless expression uttered in haste but seriously repented of you cannot deny your sentiments sir william nor can i easily forget them what my settlement is as i never wished to outlive you so i never wished to know how ample it was large i might suppose it to be from the conviction that you never pay any regard to consequences to obtain your desires let them be what they will i was the whim of the day and if you have paid too dearly for the trifling gratification i am sorry for it heartily sorry for it indeed sir william you found me in the lap of innocence and in the arms of an indulgent parent happy peaceful and serene would to heaven you had left me there i could not proceed my tears prevented my utterance pshaw cried sir william clapping his fingers together and throwing his elbow over the chair which turned his face nearer me how ridiculous this is why julia i am deceived in you i did not think you had so much resentment in your composition you ought to make some allowance for the derangement of my affairs my hands are tied by making a larger settlement than my present fortune would admit and i cannot raise money on my estate because i have no child and it is entailed on my uncle who is the greatest curmudgeon alive reflect on all these obstacles to my release from some present exigencies and do not be so hard-hearted and inexorable to the prayers and entreaties of your husband during the latter part of this speech he put his arm around my waist and drew me almost on his knees striving by a thousand little caresses to make me pardon and smile on him but louisa caresses which i now know came not from the heart lose the usual effect on me yet i would not be as he said inexorable i therefore told him i would no longer think of anything he would wish me to forget with the utmost appearance of tenderness he took my handkerchief and dried my eyes laying his cheek close to mine and pressing my hands with warmth in short acting over the same farce as once induced me to believe i had created the most permanent flame in his bosom i could not bear the reflection that he should suffer from his former attachment to me and i had hopes that my generosity might rouse him from his lethargy and save him from the ruin which was likely to involve him i told him i would with the greatest cheerfulness relinquish any part of my settlement if by that means he could be extricated from his present and future difficulties why to be sure a part of it would set me to rights as to the present but as for the future i cannot look into futurity julia i wish you could sir william and reflect in time reflect 
oh that is so outre i hate reflection reflection cost poor d r his life the other day he like me could not bear reflection i tremble to hear you thus lightly speak of that horrid event the more so as i too much fear the same fatal predilection has occasioned your distress but may the cheerfulness with which i resign my future dependence awaken in you a sense of your present situation and secure you from fresh difficulties well said my little monitress why you are quite an orator too but you shall find i can follow your lead and be just at least if not so generous as yourself i would not for the world accept the whole of your jointure i do not want it and if i had as much i could raise on it perhaps i might not be much richer for it riches make to themselves wings and fly away julia there is a sentence for you did you think your rattle-pated husband had ever read the book of books from whence that sentence is drawn i really had little patience to hear him run on in this ludicrous and trifling manner what an argument of his insensibility to stop him i told him i thought we had better not lose time but have the writings prepared which would enable me to do my duty as an obedient wife and enable him to pay his debts like a man of honour and integrity and then he need not fear his treasure flying away since it would be laid up where neither thieves could break through or rust destroy the writings are preparing to dispose of an estate which was settled on me it brings in at present five hundred a year which i find is but a quarter of my jointure ah would to heaven he would take all provided it would make a change in his sentiments but that i despair of without the interposition of a miracle you never saw such an alteration as an hour made on him so alert and brisk and apishly fond i mean affectedly so for louisa a man of sir william's cast never could love sincerely never could experience that genuine sentimental passion which selfish joy disdaining seeks alone to bless the dearer object of its soul no his passions are turbulent the madness of the moment eager to please himself regardless of the satisfaction of the object and yet i thought he loved i likewise thought i loved oh louisa how was i deceived but i checked my pen pardon me and if possible excuse your sister julia stanley End of letters 19 through 21